the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNEW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show, taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, Investing. It's all fair game. I'll do any money question besides an individual stock buy holder sell. Yesterday in the markets were interesting. I'm talking about September 20th, those listening on the podcast. Between the virus, tax proposals, an upcoming Fed meeting, and this debt ceiling, had a little bit of a pullback. But look, this figure is going a little bit deeper today. Uh, we we kind of recovered by the end of the day. And today at 6.07, Futures look to be a positive open on the market. So we've barely had a 4% correction since the start of the month. This is a very long period of time without a 5% correction. Usually have at least 3, 5 to 7% corrections every year. At least. We haven't had one for quite a while. I think the debt ceiling was a big one. And this is this is so interesting to me and and well, so frustrating. And it's not necessarily, you know, my kids' problems. It's definitely my grandkids' problems. Let's say you need to borrow more money, right? You need to go to the bank. You want to pull some equity out of your home to do something. You want to pull some equity out of a rental property to buy another rental property. You supply all the documents. You supply supply the proof of income. Your income and debt has to fit a certain criteria. For example, with the 35% slash 45% model, your total monthly debt including your mortgage payment, shouldn't be more than 35% of your pre-tax income or 45% of your after-tax income. So you need a job and a clear path to pay back the debt over a certain period of time. And the government doesn't do that anymore. The government, rather than create a path of efficiency and a path to stop wasting money on overseas wars and help mental crisis, mental health crisis issue in the United States, which is the direct cause of homeless crisis. They find ways to spend more money and then they find ways that they want to raise taxes. The debt ceiling has been raised 74 times since March 1962. I think that's about right. Now that was, gosh, actually, this is, I'm looking at a 2011 number. So I think this is, it's been more than that. There's 18 times under Ronald Reagan, eight times under Clinton, seven times under Bush, uh, George W. Bush, and five times under Barack Obama. We now have a national debt of $28 trillion. It's $86,000 per American. 
And the crazy thing is, is that you have the U.S. government issuing debt and then a, a quasi-government you know, entity, the Federal Reserve, owns 22% of that debt. And I remember being in a group meeting with, gosh, I'm spacing the name of the Federal Reserve Chairman all of a sudden, uh, Greenspan. <laughs> How do you forget that one? He was great. And my question that I posed that never got answered was, okay, exactly what happens when the Federal Reserve buys U.S. Treasury? So they give, you know, they essentially, they have money that they printed and then they got, and then they buy the... The, the bonds from the U.S. government, and then the government pays the Federal Reserve interest, and then and then when the bond matures, they give the money back to the government, and then it like it's it's so confusing and odd to the average person, right? So how do you explain that? What happens at maturity? <laughs> it's it's just it's an odd deal, and it's if somebody doesn't get into office and do something about this, and nobody ever has, is why I've written in my votes for the last several years. Last several elections, because none of the politicians have a, have been fiscally responsible, in my opinion. They just do the outlandish things that they need to do to get elected, and then it's on to spending more money. So we, it, it's frustrating to me. And again, it's 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 eighty six thousand per American and debt to national GDP. It's it's still doable, and it's not something like Japan. And I don't see it as my kids' major problem, but as my grandkids, which I don't have any yet. Knock on wood. But uh, we've got to come up with a plan because this is just ridiculous at the rate that this national debt is growing. So I want to put that out there and think about that when you vote. Think about it when you vote. Do you want to leave a mess behind for you know three generations down the road? We need a fiscal package passed um, and, and then a plan to pay the debt. And right now, a lot of the press has to do with the new changes to Biden's tax proposal. And there's been some changes for sure. So let's start with some of the good news for those in California and Oregon. Some of the talk lately has not been doing away with the SALT limitations. So this was a big hit, especially to kind of like just right in the middle class of income earners, which is really high income in the state of California and then Oregon, where um, if you had just bought a home and you're paying really high property taxes and then you're making enough money to afford to buy a home, so you're paying high state income taxes, you used to be able to deduct those state taxes on the federal return and save a little federal tax. Under Trump, that was limited to 10 grand. So that was a big hit to a lot of people that paid high property taxes. Now, it's not, the current proposal doesn't repeal that, but there's talk of increasing it to $20,000. Okay, so that's one thing that's, that's good news. The other good piece of news is that it doesn't look like a massive increase in capital gains tax. And as I've said last show, if, unless you're making taxable income of over 400000 stop worrying about it so much. Even, even the old plan wasn't going to affect you. But now if you're 400,000 single or 450 married, which is a marriage penalty, right? Um, the, the, before they were trying to put capital gains taxes up to you know 39.6%. But now it's looking at 25% at 400,000 single, 450 married. 
And again, this isn't law yet, guys. This is just another proposal. There's so much stuff that has to happen. I doubt it gets passed before the end of the year, but you know, I could be wrong. They hammer through the fiscal package and then get this going. We'll we'll see how it goes. But um, so currently, the highest rate is 23.8 percent at that level, and then you've got the Medicare tax. Um, that's the 3.8. So under new proposal, would be 28. Now, capital gains taxes were set 27% when I got into the business 28 years ago. So pretty similar to that. Now, there are also higher rates talked about above a million dollars as well. But it's not as bad as it was before. Uh, Biden proposal raised the top corporate tax rate to 26.5% by creating uh, three tax brackets for corporations. 18, 21, and 26 and a half. That's over 5 million of net income. So the there's some good in terms of low-income tax credit, drug prices. I was still looking for more info on childcare because um, I know growing up with a single mom on how difficult that is for those that are trying to raise kids on their own and work and make a living and find decent childcare. But on the same time, I know that a lot of you know state-run or government-run child cares are not great. So I'm trying to you know I think that an incentives for businesses to create their own would be awesome. But not seeing much on that on the recent one. Now coming up through this, we're going to talk a lot about what the changes are in the estate tax issues. Now I will say with that there is some good news here. It looks like they've stopped attacking the step up in basis. And what that means is, is that when you pass away and you leave real estate or stocks, non-retirement account assets to your children, they get a step up in basis and they could turn around and sell it without paying capital gains taxes. And they were trying to repeal a lot of that. And it looks like that's going to be okay. But the bad news is that your amount you can leave is going to be cut in half likely with subject to estate taxes. Let's talk a little bit about estate planning here because as I mentioned on this recent proposal, um, it looks like there is a real downplay now on the Biden administration attacking what's called the step up in basis. So currently it's crazy because we have an estate tax, which is truly a success tax, which basically says... If you created too much wealth, and let's say you created a business which created hundreds and hundreds of jobs, so you became wealthy, and then you die, the government takes part of that money, up to 40% over a certain amount, over $11.7 million. This goes back right to the government. And the government's super good with that money, right? Because you know they're, they're paying down that $28 trillion of debt, right? Absolutely not. It's a total joke, really. Um... Now, in one form, is created to fund, I don't know, the Civil War or something like that. I can't remember what war it was. It was I mean, it was a long, long time ago and just stayed in place. And then the excuses were, well, it stops the creation of family dynasties and things like that. So um, there's an estate tax, but there was this thing called step up in basis where let's say if you buy your home in the Bay Area... For a hundred thousand dollars, and it's now worth three and a half million dollars in in Los Altos or something, and you leave that to your kids, and you're under a certain amount, they're going to get it tax free. They're going to be able to get that home, get a step up in basis, and they'll be able to turn around and sell it tax free without any capital gains tax. 
So there's the the tax code is so complicated. It's it's a little silly, right? Really, they should get rid of the estate tax. They should get rid of the step up in basis and just create a flat tax, flatter tax type of a system because the amount of code that gets piled on all the time. Guess what it does? It gives jobs to attorneys, jobs to CPAs, and jobs to people like me because we got to solve these problems. And now we have another issue where what's going on is currently each person has the ability to pass on about $11.7 million to their heirs when they pass away without any estate taxes. Now, when you have a married couple, you can kind of double that number right now. And when the first person dies, there's never an estate tax due as long as everything goes to the spouse. It's always at the second death if everything goes to the spouse. But that number is projected to be cut down to $6 million now. So that that's going to come into play. So you're going to have a lot of people between now and the end of the year doing gifts of large amount to lock in that number. So if you're a single person, you know, really over 10 million projected to continue to grow or, you know, double that if you're married, you, you really do need to consider doing some trust work. For example, a married couple, one of the people, one of the uh one could consider what's called a SLAT, Spousal Lifetime Access Trust, where let's say husband probably won't live as long. Um, you know, they, they, they got a bunch of extra money. They could create a trust called a Spousal Lifetime Access Trust, gift a bunch of the stocks into the trust. The income from the dividends and interest could go to the spouse, but all of the growth would be outside of the estate. For the kids, and you'd basically lock in the credit. That's one option. Then there's GST trust that you can do, or dynasty trust for the kids. Um, that's really more of a loss of access to the funds. So making those gifts, you got to make a, you got to make a very clear decision. You can't just say, "Oh, I'm worth a lot. I better set up these trusts," because once they're set up, they're irrevocable. So you have to do some very careful planning. Because as wealthy as you might be, maybe you're spending a ton of money or have healthcare issues, and you're not going to be worth as much as you think when you're in your 90s. But Attorneys are very busy right now because a lot of people are rushing to create trust. So if you've been thinking about it, you better make an appointment now because you're going to run out of time here. Uh, most attorneys are already you know, four to six weeks out on appointments and then it takes another eight weeks to draft in many cases. Um, so <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot you need to do probably if you're, if you're that wealthy. Now, Ed Slot. Ed Slot's a guy, you might have seen him on PBS. He calls the IRAs ticking tax time bombs. He's a big component for IRA to Roth conversions. And he's a big proponent to you know say, hey, especially now that the SECURE Act was passed where when you leave an IRA to a kid, they have to pay the taxes within 10 years. They don't, they don't get to stretch it over their lifetime anymore. He's also a big proponent of taking extra money out of your IRA, setting up an irrevocable life insurance trust that buys life insurance on you with that, that income that leverages the income out of the IRA. It creates a big tax-free pot of money for the kids that's not subject to any taxes. No state, no federal, no estate tax. And so he's, he's been a big proponent in that. And he's, he's basically saying, act now. There's going to be a cut in that lifetime exemption and the, the amount that you can leave to your heirs without a tax. And I know right now I'm not talking to the entire population listening to the show, but it is a new focus on wealth. So it is a lot of the stuff that, that uh, we deal with with, with individuals. In many cases, and and I I cannot stand the idea of increasing the taxes without becoming having the government become fiscally responsible. Because most of the wealthy people that I know, 
give and give and give and give. They give a ton. Charities would be lost without the wealthy because part of the tax act, which did reduce some income taxes, especially for retired people at the mid to lower income, it also killed charitable deductions in a sense because less people are itemizing. And so charities need that help. And also a lot of those people that are high income earners are job creators. So I'm all for paying your fair share, but I'm not all for paying a fair share when our money is being wasted. Nothing's being done properly for mental health and the homeless issue. Just go to Portland. Portland's ruined, you guys. Portland, you know, is is a disaster. It's it's an absolute wreck because of the homeless population. You do not want to live in Portland. You do not want to go to downtown Portland. It's covered in graffiti and tents and garbage. It's ruined. And that's what we're paying taxes for. So the other thing that's going on here is, is uh, the current plans are look like they're attacking the backdoor Roth IRA, which is a way for people that make too much to directly fund a Roth, fund a non-deductible IRA, and then convert it tax-free into a Roth IRA, as long as they don't have any other IRAs. I've talked about that a bunch before. So that's under attack, which is silly because they should just make a retirement plan proposal that allows everybody to save for retirement so that the government doesn't have to support them. Right? Save as much as you possibly can for retirement so that you can be on your own. But nope. Now they're trying to limit some retirement savings. Having a large IRA is really great, right? You should build blessed and lucky, but it's going to come with great taxes and a loss of tax bracket control because you're required minimum distributions when you're age 72. Um, anytime you want to pull out a large amount to pay for a large home remodel or something else, you get hit with a large tax bill, which can increase your Medicare Part B premiums. It's definitely much more difficult. So it's it's good to have a mix of cash, broke, you know, regular non-retirement accounts, pre-tax retirement accounts, and Roth accounts. If that's the case, I can keep your taxes really low in retirement. Talk a little bit more about it after the break, because he says. Hey, fund those Ross. Get the money out of the tax-deferred IRAs. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. All right, we're talking a little bit about IRA issues. We have likely an increase in taxes coming down the road, whether it's capital gains tax, ordinary income taxes. A big one though is that the SECURE Act killed what's called the stretch IRA. So prior to the SECURE Act being passed, if if you know when when you pass away, if the IRA goes to your spouse, there's no taxes due. They can stretch it, you know, it's just they can to keep a spousal IRA or they can put it into their own IRA. They can literally put it into their own IRA and move on. When it goes to a non-spouse, it goes into an inherited IRA and people used to have the ability to stretch it out over their lifetime. It's based on their own age on IRS tables. Now that's all gone. Non-spouses, unless there's certain things like disabilities and other issues, they have to pay the taxes within 10 years. So a person with a really large IRA and that's the majority of their state, um, they could be subject to estate taxes on a certain amount of their IRA plus federal and state income taxes to their heirs. 
So planning is very important for those that have very large IRAs that have not yet been taxed. I know it's a good problem to have, but it, it takes some planning. So I get questions quite often. There's a, a CPA named Ed Slot. He's known as the IRA guru. You can find him at irahelp.com. Uh, and he's a big proponent of IRA to Roth conversions. And like I mentioned before, if you have a large IRA that you're not using all of it, take some of the money out, gift it to an irrevocable life insurance trust, have that trust buy life insurance on you, and that money will go to your kids totally free of taxes. It's one of those estate planning techniques where, hey, it's not a buy-term and invest the difference. You actually get permanent policies. And I'm typically using a universal life or index life policy that's built to not accumulate cash. It's built to, to provide death benefit. Most of the time, life insurance is not a great savings vehicle. And so these are times when the buy-term invested difference doesn't work. You actually get a... I've got a personal agent that I work with that uh, designs these things with low commissions, high death benefit, things like that. Now, wealthier people, I will say too that... you know I'm talking about IRAs, but a lot of times I'll see a, a wealthy couple and one or both of them has life insurance policies that they've purchased years and years ago. And you can kind of look at those policies and say, well, if it's inside the estate, it's only really worth half to your kids or you know, 60% to your children because of estate taxes. So a lot of times you can take an old life insurance policy, 1035 exchange tax-free into a better policy that has a higher death benefit, and then gift those into an irrevocable life insurance trust so it's out of the estate. That's another technique that people should consider before this exemption goes away. Before you do any of this gifting stuff, though, you've really got to have a detailed financial plan. A true idea of what you're going to spend and how healthcare costs will affect you in the future. True idea of how much taxes you're going to pay. Long-term cash flow projections. Scenarios where one or both of you go into a long-term care or nursing home type of a situation to see how much is truly left before you give too much away. You got to have a detailed plan and then you can move on to the estate plan. If you have a, a large IRA that you are not projected in your financial plan to use all of it, and then you have cash and other assets on the outside of that IRA, you should be considering doing pretty decent-sized IRA to Roth conversions where you pay some of the taxes now, move it over to a Roth IRA where it's going to grow tax-free forever. There's no required minimum distribution, so it reduces your tax burdens in the future. It's a tax-free pool of money that you can access if you ever need to. And then it goes on to your heirs and grows another 10 years completely tax-free. One of the best estate planning techniques you can do, you just kind of play with the tax brackets. Where are you in the existing brackets? Do you have any room left at the current bracket that you're in? And this is... We're almost to the end of September here. And this is some of the stuff we really focus on for clients towards the end of the year as we do pre-year-end tax planning. Now, if you have a very large IRA and you don't have much outside of that, that's when it gets a little bit difficult. Because if you do a large IRA to Roth conversion one year, then the next January, you have to pull out enough money to then pay the taxes. So you're kind of doing this alternating. IRA Roth conversion 2021, you make a withdrawal in 22 to pay the taxes, then you make another IRA to Roth conversion in 2023. See what I mean? It's, it's kind of a future tax planning alternating year. Or again... If you have a really large IRA, not a lot of cash, you make slight extra withdrawals to fund one of those irrevocable life insurance cases, uh, trusts that I mentioned. Now, here's an interesting case that I was dealing with just yesterday. 
This was a person who had a very large IRA because inside the IRA, it, they were purchasing shares of a private company that they worked for that eventually was purchased. So it created a very large IRA. And there's really not much outside of the IRA, not much cash. There's a rental property and a home. And this person's on their second marriage. And so when he passes away, the rental property and 60% of the retirement accounts, which were all you know premarital assets, are going to go to the kids and the home and the other 40% of the IRA are going to go to the spouse. Now, remember, anything that you leave to your spouse when you pass is not subject to any estate taxes. And IRAs can get rolled over into their own IRA. So there's no taxes due for what goes to the spouse. But the IRA is so large that the 60%, when it goes to the kids, it's going to trigger an estate tax. And even though he has a trust, the problem is, is that the, the IRAs name the kids as direct beneficiaries. So I'm looking at this estate plan where there's settlement fees, there's estate taxes due, there's final tax returns that have to be paid for. Guess what? There is no liquid assets to pay for those fees under the current estate plan. So we're going to have to reroute either the beneficiaries, the IRA to go into the trust, and then the trust distributes the 60% of the kids in inherited IRAs, which is okay now under the Secure Act. We used to never do that. Um, or we're going to, you know, have to alter, change beneficiary designations and use one of those irrevocable life insurance trusts to create liquidity at his passing. So you don't have to take a giant withdrawal for the, from the IRA just to pay taxes. That's a huge hit. You get the highest tax bracket federal and state. So you lose, you know, over 40% there plus a 40% estate tax potentially on some of the amount. You're getting cream. Now, there is income respect to a decedent for those CPAs that are out there listening that you get a little credit back, but it's very onerous on taxes. It's very hard to do proper planning, especially in second marriages, if people have large retirement accounts. You have to really do some careful projections because you can go to an attorney that will create a living trust that says what you want, but IRAs and life insurance policies do not go through your trust unless unless you name the trust as a beneficiary. So you have to keep that in mind. You have to be very aware that when you have an estate plan, if you have a living trust, that trust will control your non-retirement assets. Your retirement accounts, your IRAs, your Roths, your beneficiary designations determine where that money goes. So if it's going directly to a person, it will bypass the trust, will bypass your estate. And so you may have left your state with not enough liquidity to pay settlement fees. And the scenario that he's having now, it would have forced the sale of the rental property to pay the settlement costs. And that's not what he wants. He wants the kids to keep the rental property. It's kind of more of a second home slash rental property. So you have to be very careful on what you're doing with your estate plan. And there's a lot of pre-planning that you got to do right now. And now is the time to consider... The, the, the times that we consider IRA to Roth conversions for those that are retired and prior to age 72 especially is towards the end of the year when we know what the tax situation is for the year or anytime there's a decent size market correction. It's a great time to move money because you can actually move shares in kind. So like, let's say you own uh, shares of Apple in your IRA. You can... you know. Either sell those out, turn around and buy Apple back in the Roth or you know, move the shares over in kind in some cases. Either way, you're paying the taxes on it. But you can keep 
stay invested. So what a better time to do it after the market drops. Then you're paying taxes on a much lower amount. Then it pops because the market always comes back. It may take a you know few months like last year. It may take three years to five years like 2008, but it comes back. Speaking of coming back, this is going to be an interesting one. Let me change gears for a minute and talk about China and emerging markets. Because uh, there's, there's several stories out of China that are gaining attention among investors. The first one is retail sales growth slowed to just 2.5% year over year in August after rising 8.5% in the prior months. Now... A lot of this obviously is new lockdowns that are, pro, that are imposed across various cities there because of COVID cases. But there are several concerns around the durability of China's economic recovery because of the crackdown and the, the lean towards the more communist side. And then there's this, these events for China's largest property developer by sales, who in recent days has warned of cash flow issues that could lead to potential default on his debt obligations. This is all over everything, including Reddit and Twitter and things like that. So we could end up seeing a pretty large default on debt obligations. In that case, for Revergan, it's $300 billion. Judging from the fact that this company's stock has been a free fall all year, these troubles are nothing new. But how it hits the world's radar and, and how the Chinese government is rushing to manage the crisis is going to be quite interesting to see. Will this kind of slow down their... Their crackdown on public markets. But this is why China was starting to crack down. There's too much speculation going on over there, especially in real estate. Um, so we're going to watch that. In emerging markets, which if we look back towards the beginning of the year, most strategists liked emerging markets above all else, above European stocks, above US stocks, it was up 12% at one point, And then... Now it's down 3% for the year. Let's talk a little bit more about China because we're talking about... It's, is it Evergrande or Evergrande? When I see G-R-A-N-D-E, I think of a grande at Starbucks. So you're probably driving with one now. And if you are, that's fine. But make sure you're putting more money into your 401k than you are into your grandes and, or vehicle that you drive. Anyways, um, getting back to the subject... Um, the there's there's a I'm just looking at a Yahoo Finance article right now that the thoughts out there currently is that Evergrande, China's largest property developer by sales, who has warned us of cash flow issues and was already, you know, People's Bank of China added 90 billion yuan through reverse repo agreements in hopes of preventing deeper liquidity squeeze caused by this one institution. It's probably an institution that's too big to fail. So this is going to be very interesting to watch play out in China. Now, guess what I do when I see stuff like this? Because we had reduced emerging market exposure. But I like situations like this where you see why China's cracking down the way they are. And then you look for entry points. Now, what I would enter is not necessarily indexes, right? Because if you look at EEM, it's going to be a or any kind of China-based ETF. It just owns a bunch of stuff. I want active manage. I want either an actively managed mutual fund in emerging markets or an actively managed ETF. And those do exist now. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about if I have time, what you know, the difference between mutual funds and ETFs. It's really just you know how often they they trade and and the price movement. But and tax efficiency is better with ETFs. But anyways, I look at news like this and say, okay. You know, we've got the S&P 500, which is currently up 17% for the year after this last week's pullback. 
We have European stocks are international developed. So that's more than just Europe, but international developed up almost 10% for the year, even after this last week's pullback. Emerging markets were the big winner, winner chicken dinner up over 13% by the first part of March of the year. That was the emerging markets were kind of the golden child for most strategists because it was a big reopening play. Emerging markets were hit harder by COVID. They were already prior to COVID growing faster in terms of revenue. They were cheaper in terms of price to earnings ratio and population growth. And the money is made when you have a growing middle class. But then COVID hit and supply chain issues and now China. And we, we, we see that index down going from positive almost 12% for the year to down almost 3% so far. That's quite a move. And stuff like that makes me want to look for entry points. Now, when we looked at our portfolios, um, we're averaging about 1% to 3% exposure to China. With our, with our international exposure, that in many cases tends to go from you know, 10 to 20-some percent in a portfolio. In terms of China exposure, we were only like 1% to 3% of the overall total. So it's a kind of a non-event in portfolios unless you're buying ETFs or indexes where you had a greater exposure to China. I think in terms of country allocation, Asia emerging, I mean, I can't, I can't pull it off that quickly, but it's like I think if EM is something like 20 or 30% exposure to China. So that's why you've seen that fall so much where many actively managed funds in emerging markets have actually done better. And that's what you pay a little bit more for the active management. So not that it's time yet, because I really want to see how this issue plays out. But after a decline like this, adding money to emerging market funds where they have active managers that will go sift through the ashes and find the really good deals. Because when you have a big issue like like if you remember Lehman Brothers when they failed, which is a big mistake, there was so much stuff that went on complete sale. Um, there was tons of any kind of higher yield bond funds, like 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 high yield bond funds or junk bond funds that crashed in value. And I remember we had some fantastic returns on adding some money to those areas in 2009. Some fantastic returns. So sifting through the ashes and being greedy when other people are fearful has paid off in investing. And being fearful when other people are greedy has also. It's like right now where I'm you know, talking with clients and the market's rallied so much and we have several issues going on and most people's portfolios are beyond their equity exposure targets and potentially capital gains taxes could be going up for those over $400,000 of income. We're saying how much cash do you need? How much? How many? How much are you going to draw from your portfolio each year in retirement over the next three years? Let's make sure that that's safe. Let's take some gains. Let's pay some taxes and prep for market corrections. When who knows when they come? It could be another year or two. It could be three years, but they do come. And you want to make sure you have enough dividends and interest and enough cash in your portfolio to make it from the peak down to the trough back up to the recovery without having to sell good companies, good mutual funds, good ETFs. So trimming and rebalancing, yes, it means paying some taxes in non-retirement accounts. But it also means you won. It also means you have gains. And the idea is that you're supposed to take those gains and replenish the cash that you're spending in retirement so you can keep a balanced portfolio. So I think you're going to see a lot of that trimming as we get through the end of the year, especially from 
higher income people that are looking at this and say, okay, if I, if I know I need to sell something, trim some stock, you know, I'm way too overweight in my company stock. I know I'm going to max out 23.8% federal this year, but who knows what's going to happen next year? You're going to see some trimming. What's going to happen? We're probably going to get a pretty volatile uh, second or last quarter of the year, which is coming up really quickly. Jeez, seven days away, right? So we're in the fourth quarter of the year. Where, what happened to this year? I have no idea. Wow. Anyway, so when you when you look at news like this, don't be the person that panics and sells everything in the 401k. You probably don't have as much China exposure as you think. And there's a lot of good companies outside of the US. It's where a lot of innovation is and a lot of exposure to a growing middle class versus a shrinking middle class in the US. So keep an eye on it. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me at the podcast, help with your financial planning, all at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.